0: How good was the ministry last week? Wow. Can I just have a show of hands? If you got healed, if you got physically healed, can you just put your hand up if you've felt a change since you got prayer last week? Put your hand up really high. Guys, everyone look around. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. How good's that? But who knows, that's not just for the, the person behind the pulpit to carry. That's for us as well, church. We carry that. We carry that power, that authority. So good. Praise God. So <laughs> it's funny. Um, Pastor Pete called me on Wednesday and said, um, hey, you want to preach on, on Sunday? I'm like, sure. Sure. And it was funny because I was walking across my lounge room about 10 minutes earlier, you know, I'm just at home doing my housework and, you know, just with God and just sort of praying. And, but at this particular moment, I, I wasn't even thinking about anything really. And something came to my mind and it said, he said, a mindset of victory. And I thought, wow, like, you know, sometimes when God speaks, it almost interrupts your thoughts Come and interrupt us more, Lord. <laughs> but I was like, oh, mindset of victory. And then I thought, gee, that, that'd make a really good sermon. And then I thought, oh, but I'm not preaching anytime soon. So, And then Pastor Pete calls 10 minutes later. Hey, do you want to preach on Sunday? <laughs> I was like, sure, I've already got a sermon. He was like, awesome. So that's the title of my sermon, if you want to write that down this morning, guys. A mindset of victory. So to have a mindset of victory, you've got to have a heart that trusts God. Because who knows that the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Everything flows out of that heart. And you know, it's just such confirmation. Jenkins, a communion message, he almost preached the first 10 minutes of my sermon. So I'm like, okay, Lord, this is really a message that you want your church to hear this morning. Because it's a lot about rest as well. Who knows there's such rest when we're just in the promises? And, you know, it's easy to have a mindset of victory when everything's going well. You think, yeah, yeah, that's good. We, we keep going. You know, everything's going well. Um, I can keep believing. But it's when things don't go as we expected, that's when the real challenge comes, to continue to have that mindset of victory. That's when we really will see, you know, what we've been sowing in our heart. What have we been standing on? That's when the challenge comes. So, you know, when we go through things, there's generally two ways that it happens. It's, you know, we're either in faith or we're not. We're either believing God or we're not. You know, one is leaning to your own understanding and one is just trusting God. You know, one says, the battle is all on me. This is squarely on my shoulders. I'm the only one that's going to be able to get through this. And the other one says, you know, the battle is not mine, but it's yours, God. God. And that's when worship is such a powerful thing. You know, the other night, Greg and I had a bit of prayer and a bit of worship and I just looked at him and I said, can we just always be the ones that worship? You know, even when things are so tough and it's almost like it's inappropriate to worship, it's like you're really going to worship now, you got this challenge, <laughs> you know, that's when the devil will just sit back and go, oh, didn't expect that. Well, okay, well, what do I do now? <laughs> When we're leaning to our own understanding, that gets us over into works and into a religious duty. But if we're trusting God, that just receives what's been freely given. You know, if we're leaning to our own understanding, that mindset gets us trying to fulfil some quota that needs to be met before we've been deemed worthy. Who's been there? I know I certainly have. The other one just says well, he was worthy, so I can now freely receive what's already been given. One gets you out of the grace and out of the ability and out of the provision of God, and one gets you in. You know, one has the hope of a good outcome. The other one, the outcome constantly shifts depending on how well we're doing in our performance. That's a hard place to be, church. One limits God, one does not. One brings bondage and one brings freedom. And so you can see the one that we're supposed to be stepping into, the one that brings rest, the one that brings peace. Second Corinthians 3, 4 to 5. You guys can turn there. Let's open up our Bibles. I'm not going to have the scriptures up on the board, so who's got their Bibles? Yeah, awesome. Second Corinthians 3, 4 to 5. I'm going to read from the Amplified and it says, such is the confidence and steadfast reliance and absolute trust that we have through Christ towards God. So that scripture is saying, you know, we've got such trust, such trust because of Christ. But then I love the next verse, verse 5, it says, not that we are sufficiently qualified in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency and our qualifications, they come from him. So it's saying, yes, we can have this trust, but even that faith that God gives us, that's actually not of ourselves either. You know, we know that it says in Ephesians that we've been saved by grace through faith, but that not of yourselves. It is a gift, lest any man should boast. And, you know, I like to kind of think of it like this, you know, we've got three girls and and Greg and I are constantly looking out for their needs. You know, we're kind of seeing a few steps ahead, what they're gonna, what's gonna come up for them. And you know, like we got their school list for next year, so went and bought all their books so they don't turn up to school with nothing. Or, you know, we know that they need to be fed well, and just all these little needs that we are going ahead and we're anticipating. And you know mine and Greg's ability to provide for our kids and to anticipate what they need is far greater, greater than their ability to ask for it. You know, it's like, say, if I'm um, walking across the road and I've heard it put like this, you know, if I'm holding uh, my youngest daughter's hand and, yeah, she's got my hand, but I've got her hand so much tighter than she's got my hand. You know, I can't trust her to hold on to me, so my hand is over her hand. And that's kind of like how God meets our needs and how God wants us to just rest, knowing how Heavenly Father knows what we need before we even ask for it. And so, you know, if the devil can't stop us, there's a few things that he'll get us to do. Number one, he'll get us to question and doubt. Two, he'll try and complicate our belief system. And three, which is a big one, he'll get us looking to ourself to meet our own need. And that's a big one. That's where exhaustion comes in. That's where works of the flesh comes in. You know, we know that um, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the devil for temptation. And the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. He was trying to get him to prove something that was already his. And we know that Jesus didn't step out of the will of God and he didn't step out and uh, command the stones to become bread. He didn't have nothing to prove. And, you know, we know that uh, the enemy came to Eve in the garden, the serpent, and he questioned. He got her to question what God had said. Did God really say? And we know, of course, that she gave in to the temptation Romans eight sixteen to 17, and I love this scripture. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's it. We're just children of God. And because we're children of God, let's read the next verse. It says, And if children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ. Can you guys just say that I'm a joint heir with Christ? I have an inheritance which I didn't pay for. You can't uh, work for an inheritance, can you? You're just born into it. Amen. So the devil will get us to question this. But what he's really trying to do, he's getting us to question the goodness of God. He's getting getting us to question the faithfulness of God. You know, will God really come through? Will he really do that? Will he show himself strong? Oh, have I confessed enough? Have I had enough faith? Da-da-da-da-da. You know, we know if we've heard the voice of God, if it brings faith. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, maybe that I didn't pray enough or I didn't do this. But if God is telling you something like that, it's always going to bring faith into your heart. Can we just turn to Hebrews 10? Hebrews 10, we'll start at uh, verse twelve Hebrews ten. We'll start at verse eleven actually. Every priest stands ministering daily And offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. So it's talking about the old covenant that they had. They had to continuously offer blood and it was only a covering, it was only temporary. They had to do it daily. Imagine how bloody that would have been. Being a priest, you would have been so used to seeing blood. They would have been filthy. (laughs) Verse uh, 12 says... But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice, can everyone just say one? one? One sacrifice for sins forever and sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool and uh, for by one offering, can everyone say one again? One. one offering. How many offerings did it take to defeat him? One. One. And by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And so it's funny because I was thinking about this last night, and you know, it just took one offering, one offering of the perfect blood of Jesus for him to be defeated. And God reminded me of when I first, uh, when I first got married to Greg, and we had uh, our eldest daughter. And one day I was looking out in the backyard, and I'm like, oh, there's a massive snake out there. And I was like, oh, so. And you know, I, I was from a country town, but. I would say I'm a country girl, but Greg's got like another level of country on me because he grew up on a farm. <laughs> you know, I remember when we first went out to dinner and he ordered uh, wedges, and I said, well, Can we get sweet chilli and sour cream with that? And he was like, Wow, is that something that goes together? <laughs> I was like, ah. But, anyways, th- so I'm looking out in the backyard, there's a snake, and I'm like, oh, I called Greg, Can you, there's a snake in the yard, can you come and kill it? And he was like, yeah, 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 sure. Just keep me on And he said, don't stop watching and I need to know where it is okay, okay, so I'm watching, called the dog in, got the toddler inside, looking through the glass windows, and Craig comes, I'll, Honestly, I'll never get the picture out of my head, he comes through the side gate with this shovel over his shoulder, and I'm like, what on earth is he going to do? And he's got his boots on, and his cowboy hat, and he's walking through, and I'm like, I've never seen this side of him before, who did I marry, you know? And so he's, and I'm like, over there, pointing over there, and (laughs) and sorry if you're a snake lover I know we're supposed to relocate them it was a King Brown next time we'll relocate them but anyway he gets this snake and he he misses the middle of it and he just kind of chops off a little bit of the end of the tail and I was like and then he just keeps going and then he gets the middle of it and then he gets the back of the shovel and bangs it on the head and as he's banging it on the head I've got this lovely pot plant and all this blood is splattering up my pot plant and I'm like just shock looking at this guy going, I think the snake's dead. It, it's in like five pieces. The snake is dead. I repeat, the snake is, and he walks out of the yard, you know, the snake on the end of the shovel, five or six pieces. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it's funny, I haven't thought about that for such a long time, but it was like God was just reminding me, the enemy is so defeated, you know, and sometimes we have this thing where we magnify the badness of the devil, but we're not magnifying the goodness of God. You know, it says in Romans chapter 5, you can go and read it, where it talks about how um, the free gift was not like the offence, the offence being that one uh, man sinned, Adam, and all fell through him. But then it says much more, the gift of grace. It's so much more than what uh, what the devil did through Adam is what Jesus gave to us. Amen? Um, go to Colossians 2:15. This is a really good one. Colossians 2:15. It's funny. We were sitting at BBC Cafe yesterday with my two little ones, and <laughs> and you know it's packed. It's pretty busy, and there's a table right near us. And Aria just they just come out with the funniest things sometimes. Aria just looks at me and goes, "Hey, Mum, the devil gets really mad when we play Jesus music." Hey. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, yeah, he does. And then someone kind of looked and like, what on earth are they talking about? And then she goes, Mum, the devil's the slowest, isn't he? And she just starts saying all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right, Ari. I'm so glad that my kids have a revelation of that at a young age. Colossians 2.15 says God disarmed the principalities and powers that were arrayed against us and made a bold display, a public example of them in triumphing over them in it and at the cross. I love what another version says. I haven't really written down what version it is, but he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he exposed them to public disgrace by leading them in a triumphal parade. And I just love that, public disgrace, a parade, you know. We went to Disneyland about 15 years ago and if anyone's ever been there, they do uh, a parade And so, you know, you kind of get a countdown like an hour before and then half an hour before and you just know when this thing's on. All the shops shut, the music starts. Every character from 1930 to... I don't even know if that's when Disney started to now are in this parade. And it's like, there's no missing it. It's such a public thing. Everyone stands there and you watch it and it's like, wow. And I just love that that terminology is used. You know, every angel in heaven, every demon in hell saw and knew what happened when the enemy was defeated at the cross. Amen. And we can grab a hold of that revelation. You know, A mindset of victory is a mind state on the word. We've got to have our mind state on the word because the only tool that the enemy uses is deception, right? We know that. So that's why we've got to have our mind on the word. Confident expectation. A mindset of victory is confident expectation. Who's got confident expectation? Amen. Amen. Romans five one says, "Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ." I just love that. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. You know, I'm thinking about this verse the other day, and you know, if I'm, if someone's say angry at me, or you know, they're upset for whatever reason. I'm not going to come up to them boldly and ask them for something. It might be like, a, hey, how are you? Not a, are we good? Or, you know, what's going on there? But see, with God, it says we have peace with him. So he says to come boldly. He wants us to have that boldness. And, you know, who knows that Jesus never expected to fail? Jesus always knew that he was going to be victorious. And I went through a stage about a month ago of just having this real fascination. I... I, I did a study everywhere in the four Gospels where Jesus is talking directly to the Father. You know, we know that he talks a lot to the disciples and, you know, he taught the disciples how to pray. But I just went through the scriptures and I pulled out every single time where Jesus is talking directly to the Father. And there's some really, really awesome scriptures here. I love um, John 17:25 to 26, if you guys want to turn there. John 17, 25 to 26. And it's when he's in the garden, he's about to go to the cross. And nearly the whole chapter is actually him speaking directly to the Father. And he says, O just and righteous Father, although the world has not known you and has never acknowledged you, And the revelation of your mercy, yet I have known you, and these believers know without any doubt that you sent me. And I'm reading from the Amplified there, but I just love that it says, You know, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you and has never acknowledged you and the revelation of your mercy, you know, it's like Jesus knew the mercy of God. Oh, thanks, guys, putting the scripture up. He knew the mercy of God, he knew the kindness of God and he so wanted everyone else to get a hold of that. And if we keep reading verse 26, it says, And I have made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love which you have loved me may be in them, overwhelming them in their heart, and I may be in them wow, that is such an amazing glimpse and insight into the relationship uh, that Jesus and the Father have. I've got a diary that I um, write in each day and I just write prayers and thoughts and you know it's pretty much just my relationship with God on paper and I left it open on the kitchen table the other day and I seen that... um, one of my kids are drawn in it. And I tell them, if you see that, do not draw in my diary. You've got 15 other books. You can draw in whatever you want, don't draw in my diary. Anyway, so I go and have a look at my diary and I'm like, oh, okay, Well, what, what's been drawn in my diary over all my prayers that I've written down? And it was Alara, our middle child, and she's drawn a picture of the crucifix. So she's got the big cross and then she's got the two little crosses and then she's got Jesus on the cross and... She's, got, she's drawn some little stones and all the women that are crying. She's got tears coming out of their eyes. And then she's drawn God in heaven. And God in heaven's got a speech bubble. And Jesus has got a speech bubble. And I'm like, okay, here we go. This is kind of what I've been studying, you know, Jesus and God and, and him talking directly to the Father. And it says, Jesus' speech bubble says, God, I will die. And then she's got a comma, but with their sin. And I'm like, wow. And then God's speech bubble says, yes, son. And I just thought, you know, I love it how God does that. You know, when you're studying something, he'll give you more and more insights. But, you know, that's just um, a revelation into the confident expectation that Jesus had with the Father. And, guys, he wants us to have that same confident expectation. He's not going to let us down. He's not going to fail us. Let's have a look at another one in John chapter 11. If you guys want to turn there, John chapter 11. And this is another one where we see Jesus talking directly to the Father. And so we know this story. Well, most of us would know this story. It's where um, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, right? And he hears that Lazarus is dead and he says, because I love him so much, I'm going to stay in this place an extra few days. He ends up dying in the meantime. He ends up going there with all the disciples. And, you know, there's a big big crowd, all the families there because obviously it's a funeral. And if we go and have a look at verse... uh, Let's let's start at verse 40. Verse 40 and this is Jesus talking to Martha. And Jesus said to her, "Did I not say that you if you believed, you would see the glory of God?" And then verse 41 says, "They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said," And this next line Honestly, it just got me. I was meditating on this for weeks after I seen this. So Jesus talking directly to the father. He lifts up his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then verse 42, he says, And I know that you always hear me. Wow. And then he goes on to say, But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And then, of course, we know that he goes and says, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. But just that, that line there that says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Can you guys just say that? Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then the next verse, and I know that you always hear me. Confident expectation. You know, what would happen if we made this our confession? Whenever we had a need, whenever we were going through something, We can start our prayers with that, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I thank you that you always hear me. Wow. And you know, some of you will say, oh yeah, well, God's going to answer Jesus' prayer, but surely he won't answer my prayer like that. Well, let's look at 1 John 14 to 15. And I bet some of you have anticipated this verse, where I was going. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. And it says, this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness, which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, ready, he listens to and he hears us. Verse 15, and if since we know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we know also that we have granted as our present possessions the requests made known of him amen confident expectation we can have that we can have that church you know we've um, got a new a new little dog that we're fostering it's funny because I never thought I had a hobby. Greg's hobby is fishing. I was like, I don't really have a hobby, I don't think. But the last few months, I've realised that my hobby is actually animals. I just love animals so much. So, you know, I'm saying to Greg, can we foster a dog? It's my hobby, you know. And then he feels bad to say no, so he has to do it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Anyway, so we've got this cute little dog and and he's actually been a little bit mistreated he's been in the backyard pretty much his whole life he's never really seen anything or done anything just been in a tiny little yard and you know i'm trying to build trust in him i'm trying to you know let him know that he can trust me i'm not going to do anything wrong by him as we we're going for a walk down on cable beach and he's never even seen a car that's gone past so close you know we're up on the footpath the car goes past and he just bolts and yanks the lead and he just thinks that everything's going to get him and everything's going to hurt him but you know we've had him about a week now and the longer that he walks with me the more he knows that he can trust me and you know that's how we can be with the father who knows that David had a revelation of this you know, it says that David's a man after God's own heart. He knew God's heart and he wasn't even in the covenant that we have. We've got a better covenant based on better promises, as it says in Hebrews. But I just love Psalm 23. That's been one that's coming up a lot lately. And there's so much in there. I actually didn't have it down, but let's just go there and read a few, a few verses. Psalm 23, because it just reveals God's heart for us. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That's his will for us, guys, to lay down in green pastures and beside the still waters. Amen. And, you know, it's not so much that we never have to go through stuff. You know, like my little dog, he's always been in the backyard. But now that he's getting out more... It's like walking with me, everything's going to be okay and that's the same with God. We are going to face stuff but we've just got to know that he's always got the upper hand. You know where I I spoke about how holding my daughter's hand. I've got her hand way tighter than she's got my hand and that's the same as our heavenly father. Confident assurance. And you know, something that we're only ever going to get to do on earth we're not going to get to do this in heaven, is if when we go through stuff, we're trusting him because, you know, everything in heaven is perfect, right? There's no sin, there's no brokenness, you know, we just spend eternity worshipping God and fellowshipping with one another. So it's only on earth do we actually get to offer him that sacrifice of praise. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I go through stuff and, and it all works out okay, sometimes you know, it can take a long time to get the victory. You know, I've had to believe for stuff for years and years and years, you know, addictions that I had that I walked with and I was like, God, I know that this isn't supposed to be on my life. I want to be free. And I really had to press in for that victory, press in for that victory. But, you know, whenever we get the victory, and I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I look back and go, ah, I wish I would have trusted you more, God. I want to give you that sacrifice of praise, That's something we can only do on earth. And gee, that blesses the Father. You know, it's like when your own kids are trusting you. They don't keep coming and asking the same thing. It's like, no, yeah, I know that you want that. I'm going to give it to you. You just need to wait. Because faith and patience inherit the promises, right? So he wants us to have that confident assurance. Let's turn to Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, and we'll start at uh, verse 9. And this is talking about how faith is a rest. And I think Jenkin brought this up uh, in his communion message, so it was very very in sync there. Uh, Hebrews 4, 9 starts by saying, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did his. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Sometimes we really have to fight to let go and let God do it. You know, it's just human nature. I've got to make things happen. You know, how I read at the start of the message, you know, it's all on me. I've got to get into works over it. Sometimes the biggest fight is the fight to just let go and let Him do it. Verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So faith is a rest. Everyone say faith is a rest. A rest. Who wants rest? I know I certainly do. You know, he's worked out the end from the beginning. It's really just about us believing and resting. You know, everyone here is believing for something, including myself, because there's always more. You know, we never just arrive and that's it. Don't need to believe for anything else. Everything is all good for the rest of my life. It doesn't work like that. We've always got things that we're overcoming. And, you know, sometimes with having faith, you uh, the enemy can get us looking at uh, how much faith we've got uh, in, in um, what's the word, in motion, how much faith is active, and he gets us looking at our own faith rather than the faithfulness of God. You know, faith is a rest. It's really just about submitting to the word. I'm not going to exalt my unbelief, uh, my ideas, my doubt, my insecurity. I'm not going to exalt any of that stuff over the promises of God. I'm actually just going to come and take a seat in the promises and just meditate on what his word says. And, you know, the thoughts always come. Thoughts of doubt and unbelief always come. But we actually get to choose what we meditate on. Who knows that? We get to choose what we meditate on. Faith is a rest. God actually reminded me of um, about five years ago, or maybe four years ago, I started a kids' clothing business. And, you know, it was lots of fun, and I had two little babies at home, and it was a real God idea. I actually woke up one morning and said to Greg, (laughs) and he was like, I said to him, I feel like I'm supposed to start a kid's clothing business. And he just looked at me like, what do you mean? Like, I've never done anything like that before. I learnt so much through starting this little business. But anyway, so I just kind of went on this journey of, you know, being obedient. And, and it, was, it was good fun. It was good fun. It was a great job to have while the kids were little. And um, so I designed the clothes and they were actually made overseas. And the business started doing pretty well, you know. It was just a hobby, like Greg's income was our main income, but the, this little business, God really started to bless it. And I was like, wow, this stuff is actually selling. I got to go to the markets every Saturday, have a little break from the kids. And, you know, do the markets is a great place for witnessing as well, especially if people come into your store, you know, you can bless them. And, and anyway, so as time goes on, the business starts doing well. And, you know, I'm ordering uh, bigger quantities as well so there is a bigger outlay but then I'm like, no, this stuff's selling so I can, you know, I feel like I can start ordering a bit more and a bit more and, and, you know, Greg trusted me that I had, you know, good judgement to do that and anyway, so I just ordered a, a pretty big heap of clothes and I was waiting for them to come in and you know businesses a lot of the time especially small businesses a lot of your marketing is done through social media so Instagram, Facebook you've got to have a big presence so you can you know sell and I come across this this Facebook page and I won't name it but it was a, a kids clothing company that had started in Broome and I was like What? And so I'm looking at this page and I'm scrolling through and so much of this stuff was similar to mine and I start going, what is this about? Like, no, surely not. And I I kind of get into the flesh and I'm I'm totally not at rest. I'm taking it all back off God. I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on. And I'm sitting on this going, seriously, this town's way too small for two of us. (laughs) I'm just being honest, church. I was no longer looking at God as my provider. I'm looking at myself as my provider. And God really dealt with me. You know, it was such a good learning curve for me. And, you know, I sat with God and I'm like, okay, God, no matter what happens, you're the one that blesses my business. Who knows there's no competition in the kingdom of God, you know, and so I just thought, okay, and you really dealt with my heart and I repented and I thought, no, God, I want to be in rest over this. I want to trust you. So I ended up reaching out to this little business after about a week or so, getting over myself, submitting, okay, Father, no, I am trusting you. You're my provider. So I reached out to this business and I just said, hey, I just want you to know that I'm um, you know, I hope you do really well and if you need anything, like if you need any contacts in the markets and da-da-da-da-da. And and I think this other business was just kind of like, what is your motive, you know? (laughs) That's unusual. Why are you doing that? But I'm just using that as an example as to what it's like when we're in, in rest, when we're in faith. It's not all on us, church. We've got a heavenly Father that cares so much Amen. Amen. Praise God. And we can choose what we meditate on. Meditate on the promises. Don't be looking around. Thank you, Father. Let's just bring the team back up, guys. Thank you, Lord. I want everyone to stand. We're just going to do something a bit different this morning. If you can all just stand up. Thank you, Father. Actually, I just want to read a verse over you guys and then we're going to do something because we've still got a few minutes before we're going to close. Can everyone just close their eyes? Just turn your hearts to God. Father, we thank you that this is your word, Lord God, that it's your message, Father. Father, we thank you that your people are here to hear from you, Lord God. Isaiah 54:14 to 17 says, you will be firmly established in righteousness. You will be far from even the thought of oppression. So not only oppression, you're going to be so far from even the thought of it, God's word says. And he says, for you will not fear, and from terror it will not come near you. And then he says, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the peace. This is the righteousness. This is security. This is the triumph over the opposition. And it is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Amen. And it says, this is their vindication and it's from me. Now, I just want you to close your eyes. And I'm just going to invite the Spirit of God to move and... and I just want you to bring something before God that perhaps you haven't been in faith over, where you think, gee, I'm really not in rest over this area. I'm I'm tired. I've shifted the mindset. It's all on me. I just want you to bring that area before God right now. And you might think, no, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm in faith about almost everything, and that's awesome. I want you to thank God for that faith. So you're either in one or two categories. Bring it before God right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, that you minister to your people this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just give it over to him this morning, church. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we just speak to every heart right now, Lord God. Every heart, Father, that's in doubt, Lord God. Every heart that is even in despair. I feel like there's people here that are really in disappointment. It's like you're disappointed the way things have worked out. And I know this words come up before, but I just feel like God's saying he is not a God of disappointment. It is not the end. Father God, we just thank you right now, Lord. We just thank you for an impartation, Father, of faith, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that faith replaces doubt and fear, Lord God. Fresh vision, Father, in the hearts of your people, Lord God. We're just going to play this last song, and I'm really just going to believe that the Holy Spirit's going to minister to you. He's going to give you an impartation of faith, He's raising up an army from this church. And I just believe God's saying that, you know, it's time that we enlarge our tent pegs. He's saying no more we only have faith for you and yourself and your family. He says, church, you can have faith on behalf of others. You You can have faith on behalf of others. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Just invite you to move right now in Jesus. Chain. Thank you, Lord God. Just give it over to him now, church. This is going to be the last song. And when this song finishes, if you want prayer, come down. And just one more invitation. If you say, I don't even know what it's like to have faith in a Saviour. I don't know... I don't know anything about God. I want a relationship with the one who can always be strong on my behalf. If you want to invite him in, it's simply that. It's just you inviting inviting him in and he says, once he's with you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. Is there anyone who can raise their hand and say they don't know Jesus as Lord and Saviour? Is there anyone in here? I know most faces are familiar this morning. Or is there anyone perhaps where you'd just like to recommit your life to him, where you say, I've walked away, God, but I want to come back to you? Is there anyone? Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. All right, guys, we're going to sing this last song, and I just really want you to press in. We've got the last few minutes of the service. Press in for him now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.